this uh, ethical question. Uh, a question arose about one of the uh, questions on the ethics test with regard to um, recording a conversation. Uh, I'll say this, it is legally permissible in Georgia to record a telephone conversation where only one party is aware of the recording. Um, and so you can equate uh, legally with uh, ethical uh, in this case. So I'll just leave it at that. Hopefully that's hopefully that's audio audio recordings. Yes, audio recordings. So anyway, um, first thing I wanted to mention with regard to to um, sort of the best practices with regard to uh, ethical issues, um, we had put together a list a few years ago that I wanted to. Uh, mention to you before I talk about um, this issue that I've had come up recently and then I'll touch back on those in a little while. The first, uh, well there's six of these. One is honesty and integrity. The second is uh, respect for others, fairness, personal accountability, uh, obey laws, regulations, and rules. And the last one is to be reasonable. Um, I had a, uh, I got a case, this is, this is actually a case that's, that I have going on right now, it's a real case. Uh, a fairly common fact pattern, the, um, the claimant uh, sustained a back injury and there was a recommendation from the uh, treating physician in this case to do uh, either a fusion surgery or uh, in the alternative to do disc replacement surgery. And I wasn't involved in the case yet at that time. The, uh, the adjuster had um, obtained uh, an IME from another doctor who reviewed the case and said that uh, this claimant was definitely not a candidate for the disc replacement surgery. Agreed that the fusion surgery was appropriate, but not the disc replacement surgery for this particular claimant. But as, as you might have guessed, the, the, the claimant and his attorney decide they want to do the disc replacement surgery. Uh, they get talked into it by the uh, treating physician, and it's a complete disaster. Uh, it goes horribly wrong, and um, much worse than way beyond the typical uh, in terms of going wrong. And you know, where normally you may have a back claim that fusion surgery is required, and those are those are serious cases. But this one just got uh, a lot worse and went way off the rails. Um, and other problems came out of that, and and uh, one of the things was a. Uh, psych issue and the psych treatment really became uh, the biggest issue going forward due to the frequency uh, and expense related to the treatment. And so the adjuster understandably was very frustrated with this and this was around the time that I got involved in the case and we obtained uh, an IME with a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist, um, the IME psychiatrist had made some recommendations and said that additional psychological treatment was appropriate, but put an end date for uh, what they were recommending. In other words, what they said was that that roughly 12 months after the last surgery, and the claimant had undergone several surgeries to correct the problem with the disreplacement. And so the, the, psycho, the psychological IME recommended uh, roughly 12 months from the completion of the last surgery. And so we, as I would normally recommend with that kind of an IME, is, is let's send it to the, the treating psychologist and we'll see if they agree. So the um, treating psychologist uh, 
received the report, presumably, but had not responded. And then over the course of time, because uh, we were already at several months after the surgery at that point, the, the doctor, uh, I'm sorry, the, the claimant passed the 12-month time period that the, the uh, psych IME had, had suggested. And unbeknownst to me, the adjuster just stopped paying for the psych treatment. And uh, I just, and one of the, they had been, the adjuster had been pressing me and pressing me uh, about trying to get the case settled. And we had talked several times to the claimant's attorney. I think he kind of wanted to get it settled. The claimant definitely wasn't ready. And so the adjuster uh, just stopped paying for the site treatment. And it, it made me think about uh, this talk here and, and the question of sort of, of aggressive claim handling versus uh, you know, getting to an ethical issue, and, and you know, unfortunately, there's not really a bright line uh, to um, uh, to see there. It's um, I think the focus has got to be on the best practice uh, tips that I mentioned uh, before, and um, I know in this case because I've talked with the adjuster several times, I know their motivation in doing. Uh, was to try to push the claim into settlement. And as those of you who've been around for a long time, you may remember an ethical question from our test last year, year four. Uh, and the question essentially said, uh, is it ethical to suspend the claimant's benefits to try to push the claim into settlement? Well, obviously it's not. Uh, and this really isn't any different from that. If, if your motivation for, for um, halting medical treatment, in this case, there's, there's there is some basis for it because you've got a psych IME recommending it, but certainly unilaterally uh, making that decision to do that is, is not acceptable, in my opinion. Um, again, there's no bright line. So um, anyway, um, I just wanted to go back and just mention these uh, best practice questions, and then I have one other sort of housekeeping uh, issue to mention. Um, the items, again, number one was honesty and integrity. If you don't if you tell the truth in your claim handling, uh, you're really going to stay out of trouble most of the time. Uh, respect for others. Um, Judge Mahara was talking earlier about situations where you may be on the phone with him, uh, but whether you're on the phone with a judge or the claims attorney or a pro se claimant, uh, have respect for them and their opinions, and uh, I think that will serve you well long term. And one of the things we always tell uh, our new associates, too, is you're going to be dealing with the same people again, so the way that you treat them will... Um, will serve you well if you treat them well. Um, personal accountability, obviously you're going to be accountable for uh, the way that you handle your claims and the decisions that you make. Uh, obey laws, regulations, and rules. Uh, I think that one speaks for itself. The last two kind of go together. Fairness, try to be fair as much as you can, and try to be reasonable is the last one. Now, I think in, in the situation that I told you about, I'm sure my adjuster could uh, get on the stand and, and swear uh, for the rest of their life that they had handled this case reasonably. Uh, I really think that they feel like we've been more than reasonable in all the treatment that we've provided. So, uh, but I think you've got to take all of these uh, together. One last thing I want to mention um, uh, with regard to uh, the comments earlier that were made by Judge Imahara with regard to the PMT. One question I had, and unfortunately I was sitting in the other room at the time, was can we, uh, as employers and insurers, can we use the PMT process as a weapon for us? Are we allowed to file uh, our own PMTs? And 
And he said, that's not what it's designed for. I asked him out in the hall later. He said, that's not what it's designed for. It's not set up to do that now. But apparently that is going to be phase two uh, of that, and that's what he's trying to work in because he, he, he admitted out in the hall, it's really not fair that the claimants have the ability to push an issue quickly, and yet as employer insurers, we have to wait 30 days, 60 days, or whatever to get a hearing if a claimant is not showing up for uh, medical treatment or, or skipping out on physical therapy appointments that are delaying his treatment. Um, what he did say that in the short term uh, we should do is uh, he said if there's a judge already involved in the case, get that judge involved and just ask for a conference call. Or, or he said if there's not a judge involved in it already, he volunteered that we could call him and I asked him if it would be okay with him if I had mentioned that here today. So if you have that situation come up with where a claimant is not following up with medical providers, instead of the usual situation we've had in the past where we have to schedule another appointment, see if they go, then file a motion, and then wait for them to respond to the motion and all this, this process that just takes weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, this is a way that he offered that we can handle that now until this next phase of the PMT process uh, gets put in place. So I did want to mention that uh, as well. and. That's really all I have. I think now is time to uh, for folks.